Welcome to Teaching Artist Podcast, a show dedicated to discussions of teaching art to kids, making art, and how those things overlap and feed each other. I'm Rebecca Potts, your host, a visual arts teaching artist. Liz Brent was so refreshing. Her passion for art and for her students came through so strongly. I loved hearing how she balances it all and how she has adjusted during this time of social distancing. Liz also had such great messages of encouragement to share. Liz Brent is an art teacher, artist, and owner of Brent Art, where she and her family create custom art for people all over the country. She has taught hundreds of students how to paint, from K to adult, beginners to advanced. She recently opened her online painting membership, The Painter's Retreat, to combine her experience as an artist and art teacher to share her love for painting with others. She earned her BFA in art education and master's in special education, and is currently a high school special education teacher and case manager. With her experience working with diverse learners, she makes sure to break down painting into a simple step-by-step process. From art camps and nursing homes to high schools and community centers, she's pretty much taught everywhere. Liz says, my goal is to make art accessible for all, one lesson at a time. All right. Hello. So I am here with Liz Brent. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. I'm excited to hear more about your teaching and your art making. And I like to start with just a little bit of background. Could you kind of tell us your story? Like, how did you start teaching? How did you start making art? Okay. Nice. Well, thank you first so much for having me. I am very excited. Yeah. I would say my background with art started in college. So actually, no, it started in high school. I got into art just because I signed up for an art and biology class my freshman year because I heard it was easy. <laughs> and that was that started it. Even though my dad and my brother were artists and like they created art all while I was young, I never really paid much attention to it. And so I I went and took the four art classes throughout my high school career and then ended up in AP and then decided, okay, I'll apply for uh, art in college, even though I was set to be pre-law. Like since I was nine, I said I was going to be a lawyer. Wow. Yeah, I was planning to go to law school and I was studying for the LSAT. So then I was also taking teaching classes. And then it got to a point where I had to decide between student teaching and LSATs. And I knew I couldn't do both. Like I I wasn't studying enough. And then I also wasn't Mm -hmm. preparing enough for student teaching. So that's when I finally decided like, okay, I think teaching is what I want to do. It would be, you know, something more interesting for me as far as art education. So I decided to go that route. And that's how I started teaching. Wow. Yeah, that's such a a shift, too. Yeah. 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 How did your family respond to that? They were very supportive because, I mean, I was always the kind of kid who like did well in school and had good grades and was like never in trouble. Mm-hmm. And so I think they kind of just let me create my own path. So first I said lawyer. They're like, OK, great lawyer. 
And then I was like, okay, I'm thinking maybe art. And because at first I was like, I'll just be an artist. And they're like, well, maybe you can do something to make it, you know, solid. How about teaching it? Uh-huh. Okay, maybe. Yeah. And then I, they were like, okay, cool. And so they just kind of pushed me along and were just like, whatever you want to do, we support you. Awesome. That's great. Because that doesn't always happen. <laughs> I know. Oh my God. I was, uh, definitely blessed with a good supportive family. Yeah. That's great. And do you feel like now your teaching and your art making really kind of go hand in hand? Like, do they overlap and and kind of go together? Or are they sort of separate spheres that you work within? Yeah, it's kind of both now. And it's funny because I actually started teaching. I was two years into teaching high school art and then ended up going to school to get my master's in special education just because Mm -hmm. I wanted more knowledge of how to work with those students in my art classroom. Mm. But then after that, the next full-time job I was offered was within special education. So then I shipped it over. So now I'm actually a special education teacher and case manager. And I sometimes teach art within that school, you know, because with special education, it's whatever we're kind of assigned at the moment. Right. And so before the switch, it was like, okay, I'm an art teacher. I can show the techniques I'm using in my art practice. And then if I have like a commission project, I'm doing it in my art class with my students. Mm -hmm. And then it switched to being this is what I need to keep me going and to like relieve my stress and like to give me my art. So then I really push myself with outside art making and outside art teaching to really have that as a part of my day. Yeah. So right now you're a full-time special ed teacher. Yep. yep. Wow. I had, I didn't even realize that. That's <laughs> kind of amazing. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. I do so many different things. Yeah. Because in addition to that, you're teaching like private workshops. Mm-hmm. You were teaching, are you still teaching at a local art center? Yep. I'm actually teaching online. Okay, so they have shifted online. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's a lot of, because I think I was at one time at three different art locations. I was teaching at an Evanston Art Center and then Art Makers Outpost in Evanston. And then I want to say there's one more. I had just got signed on with the Oak Park Art League. And so I was like shipped in between all of these, but also teaching full time. And now I'm still doing the teaching online through the school and also with the art center. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> how do you how do you manage all of that? How do you kind of fit it all in? People always ask because <laughs> I'm always so busy. And before I would always say like, I just don't have much of a, you know, I don't have a heavy social life because of it. But, right. you know, I do what I can because, you know, art is just my passion and dream and I love to share it with people. So Mm -hmm. it's like it got to a point where if I wasn't creating it in my day, I just felt like something was just missing. And like I love the students I support and I love what I do, you know, with case management. But it's like, Mm -hmm. you know, I didn't realize the art became such a part of me that I like needed to do it and needed to have it. And so now I think I just balance it by like planning out every part of my day mm-hmm. to where I have, you know, between eight and four, I'm being the special education teacher. And then after that, I have things set aside, you know, the weekends I'm teaching online through the art center, but then also through the week, I'm hosting my own virtual paint parties through my business. And I'm also creating custom portraits, which I have one that's due next week. And so oh. 
I just like plan out every piece of my day. But anytime that I'm making art, time just flies and it never feels like work. Yeah, I feel the same way sometimes. I just get yeah. totally lost in making. Exactly. Yeah. It's a really good feeling. My brother calls it traveling because he's also an artist. Oh. And that when he creates, he feels like he's traveling to wherever it is that he wants to be. Oh, I love that idea. Like traveling through art. Yeah. Oh. And do you, I know you said you try to kind of squeeze in some art with your special ed kids whenever you can. Yeah. What does that look like? Is it closer to almost like art therapy? I know that's not your, you know, you're not trained as an art therapist, but. Yeah, I had a couple good experiences. So what was it last year? I was actually teaching geometry as a special education teacher. And Mm -hmm. so we were able to do some uh, like geometric drawing projects. And then I was also assigned to a ceramics class. So within that, you know, it was just all play. And then I decided to be the ceramics club support person to actually help students with disabilities. So that's how I was able to actually incorporate that together. And then with one class that I was co-teaching, it was uh, music. So I was able to do a lot of like creative projects with and music. And we did one session of like listening to music and responding to it with painting. Hmm. And we talked about like intuitive art. So it was very therapeutic, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. And I hear a lot and I've experienced too that students sometimes who I would have no idea that they're, you know, like labeled as special needs or, Mm -hmm. or any of that come into the art room and they're just incredible. And like classroom teachers have pulled me aside and been like, wow, I've never seen this kid do this, you know? Mm -hmm. Yep. I've seen that. So it just has that, that ability Yeah, definitely. Like, it's just amazing. You know, once you see what people are gifted at, like I had two specific Mm -hmm. students who, you know, during the day they weren't interested in most other things. And then even one student who was nonverbal, but then got into ceramics and was just making just lots of things like making different Uh. clothes and using different glazes and experimenting. And like, I never would have guessed that this student would just be so engaged in this. And like, it was incredible. Yeah, that's amazing. And it's, it's a place for them to flourish where maybe other places they might not feel so successful. Exactly. And it was also in like an inclusive setting too. So it was Mm -hmm. with and without disabilities and they were able to support each other. Yeah. And then that's another aspect that like the other kids see, oh, wow, you know, that, Mm -hmm. that person's really talented in this part of, of, you know, they're, they're like an artist. Yep, exactly. Definitely. Yeah. I love it so much. Yes. Would you have any sort of tips for a new teacher, someone who's kind of new to teaching? Hmm. I would say always be ready to learn more. Mm -hmm. I think that my first year teaching was, you know, going into teaching art and coming out of uh, college, I was assuming I was just ready and I knew everything and you know, I was wondering like with student teaching why I wasn't getting paid. And I'm like, I know what to do. And then as soon as I got into a school, it was just like, I had no idea. <laughs> and it wasn't so much <laughs> the art making. Like, yeah, I had studied different lessons and I had all these things planned, but you have to be ready to learn more when it comes to students as people. Mm-hmm. And 
it was like, you know, the classroom management and like learning how to maneuver different, not only different abilities, but different personalities and like mm-hmm. the way students are going to receive you and you have to be flexible and ready to adapt. So you may have all these different lessons that you think are cool, but if they don't really connect to what the kids, you know, have an understanding mm-hmm. of or like have an interest in, it won't mean anything. So you have to just be ready to keep learning. Absolutely. And be flexible. That's, yep. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. I learned that really quick. Oh. And do you feel like that is also important in the other settings where you teach? Yeah, definitely. Because especially with the art centers, it's very different because within a school, you have a curriculum, mm-hmm. you may have like a team of other teachers that you plan with. But in the art center, it's nice because you do get full autonomy of what you teach and the way you teach. But because it's people coming in, there's paid classes, you know, you kind of have to differentiate. And like, yes, you do that in a school. But for this, it's like people may come in with all different abilities and say like, okay, I see that you said this is a beginner class, but I'm more advanced. How can you help me? Mm-hmm. And so one, one class I'm actually teaching now, it's like four adults, all different ages, all different experiences. And I, you know, I might have a plan at the beginning, but then once I speak to them and see what they already know how to do, where they want to go, what they want to learn, I actually have to tailor my teaching to each individual student. So it becomes more of a specialized experience. So that, that, you know, that being flexible is really important once you start to expand to like community settings or art schools, because every place is kind of different with how the people who attend, you know, want to be engaged through the arts. Right. Yeah. And how, what is, I don't know if it's, it might be hard to, to point to a specific method that you kind of have figured out for doing that when you have several people in a, in a room together or, you know, online together, (laughs) how, how do you really like teach to each individual? Yeah, I think so one way I tried this time, because the first time I did it, it was like figuring out as I was going and just asking questions in the moment. But this time, once I received my roster, I actually sent out a questionnaire Mm -hmm. that had questions that said like, how would you define yourself? Do you think you're a beginner? Do you think you're intermediate or advanced? You know, what do you want to learn? And why did you sign up? What motivates you? And, you know, people responded. They answered these questions. They sent me like samples of their work, which then sparked like, okay, next time I know to ask everybody for samples. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some people even sent links to different artists and, and books that they liked. And it mm-hmm. showed like, okay, this is the style that they're going for. This is the level they're at. And it really helps to be able to either say like, okay, I can get you there. I can give you the tools you need. Or sometimes it may be like, okay, this isn't the class for them. Like maybe they are looking for something Mm -hmm. different, something less structured or something more free. So it gives me the ability to say right up front, you know, whether or not it's a good placement. And so usually it is. And usually it just turns into here's what I can offer you to get you to these different Mm -hmm. steps and I think that's been really helpful so far. Yeah, that's great. I love that idea of the questionnaire and, you know, really getting a lot of information before you even start teaching. Yeah, exactly. Makes me kind of kind of wish I could do that with my like 1400 students. Uh, <laughs> right. Wow. Oh, my goodness. Oh. What ages do you teach? Oh, I'm a TK through fifth grade. Wow. So, Yeah. 1,400 students, that's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah, I'm at two different schools, so. Man. Uh, Yep, get you some questionnaires. Yeah. (laughs) 
Yeah, for me, just remembering names is hard enough. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm so visual that I remember their faces more than more than names. So I'll be like, oh, yeah, that's I know you. You you made this artwork mm-hmm. last year. Exactly. I remember people by artwork, too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Could you maybe describe your artwork and kind of what I know I read on your website and I loved this. I wrote down that you're ready to teach every medium. So you kind of like your work kind of spans many media. Yeah, that's true. Oh, my goodness. See, I would say it's been like over the years, it's been evolving. And I think that I've just been like trying out different things. And like I've done acrylic painting, I've done oil painting, I've done graphite and charcoal drawings. Mm-hmm. And I would say, yeah, before it's more so like, let me see if I can figure these things out and, you know, get good at them. Because at one point I had an idea that I would be like a jack of all trades. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, the the more I got into my art practice, I started to see like, what do I enjoy most? Mm-hmm. What do I want to spend my time doing? And then it, it was acrylic painting because I love the quickness of it. And how, I guess I would say, forgiving it is. And so for a while, I still didn't know, like, okay, what do I want to create? Do I want to do portraits? And I was doing, like, wall plaques and and decorations for a while. And then somehow I just fell into landscapes and flowers. Hmm. And it just felt like the most comfortable, simple, relaxing thing to paint. And even when I do like really detailed ones and stuff, it, it never feels complicated because sometimes I've painted projects like a lot of my work has been commissioned, which is also why I think it's been all over the place. And I did a lot of different things for different people. But finally, like the thing that felt the most simple and easy to me was like flowers and landscapes. And I was like, that's what I want. Like, I want to be able to just sit and relax when I'm creating art. I don't want to have to think sometimes. Yeah. So you may see a lot of that recently on my on my page. Nice. That's I mean, totally after my own heart. I (laughs) I love landscapes and I feel like Yes, landscapes and flowers are very forgiving. You're right that even when they get really detailed, it's like there's not one specific way that it has to look. Right, exactly. Yeah. And I love that so much. Yeah, that you can loosen up a little bit and Mm -hmm. relax, use it as like a de-stressor. Right, just turn, turn your brain off for a minute. Yeah. And do you, I know you do a lot of commissions. Do you also try to sell like the more personal work that you do? Are you like, is that part of your kind of business? That's a good question. I haven't yet. Or would you want to? Right. I think I would because I end up making so much stuff because at first I was really attached to my work and like I had a hard time attempting to sell things. Mm -hmm. And then people would start asking and I was like, okay, I'll make prints, but I wasn't selling originals. But now, especially with the quarantine, I've been painting so much. I have like Uh paintings just laying around. And I'm like, okay, you know, because some people have asked me about them. I'm like, I might actually put them up for sale because, like, I don't even hang them sometimes. Like, in my studio, I would, but I haven't been there because, you know, it's not in my home and because of shelter mm. in place. And so my walls are pretty much bare and I just have stacks and stacks of them. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't think I would mind that. I think that 
it, it can, it's kind of turned into like a therapeutic process to create it, but not necessarily to keep it. Right. So like, it would be something cool to like share it with somebody else. It's like a memory. Yeah. And let it be like a therapeutic thing for them to have to yeah. beautify their, their home. Yeah. That's a good thought. Yeah. And you mentioned your studio's not at home. So what does your sort of makeshift studio look like? Oh my goodness. So <laughs> it is a corner of my living room. And I was just oh. like, where can I go with the best light and have like a cute little spot? So it's like near the windows with my cute curtains hanging behind me. And yeah. I've just set up like my easel and I've got like little plants and stuff, but I think mm. this spot came maybe with my first paint party. I was just like, I need somewhere cute to be. Right. And so to have a good background, it started here. And then after that, this is where I sit to do all my painting. Huh. Yeah, that's a whole other thing to a whole other consideration having to be in a space that not only works and functions as an art making space, but also looks good on camera. Right. Ugh. Right. That was something tricky because before it was like, okay, mm-hmm. I can kind of create anywhere. I'm not being seen, but now it's like something else to like really think about. Yeah. And is your usual, like your regular studio really close to home? No, it's not, which is probably part of why I haven't been. It's about 40 minutes from me. Mm, yeah. I used to live really close. I was about five minutes away and it was perfect. And uh, I ended up moving. So that's why I'm so far now. But it's actually a shared space with maybe like 100 other artists. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's really cool during, you know, non-quarantine. <laughs> yeah. It's usually pretty empty <laughs> anyway, but it's nice because it's like a, a home for artists. But now since Mm. the shelter in place I'm like okay I can't go to such a public area right so yeah just figuring out the best spots in my house to do it yeah and does that that studio space did it do you feel like that gave you sort of an art community yeah do you do like critiques with any of those other artists or you know any other kind of community activities (laughs) Yeah, that's a great question because it's actually what got me started there. Um, I used to create like in my living room, like of my old tiny apartment. And I would have like such artist block and I wasn't motivated most nights because I just didn't have a space. And then I didn't have like, you know, people to kind of push me, which of course my family and fiance did, but it was Mm -hmm. different. And so I looked for this space and I saw that, yeah, there were artists who worked in the common area, but then people had their own studios and there was like sinks and uh, they had events. And you, like you said, art critiques. They also had art mm. shows and you could sell your work from your studio. And like sometimes people would just like pop into each other's studio. So it was really a nice community. Yeah, that's great. And and like, it really helped me to be motivated, like especially after a long day of work. Yeah, I feel like that's one of the biggest challenges for those of us that are, you know, teaching all day and kind mm-hmm. of using up a lot of energy. Exactly. And then trying to keep making art. Mm-hmm. I knew I needed a place where people could kind of hold me accountable, even though, you know, mm-hmm. they may not say something like, oh, why aren't you creating? But just seeing them working, it made me also work. Right. It's an inspiration. Yep. That's what it is. Yeah. And have you kept in touch during quarantine at all? Yeah, with a couple people, mainly through like Instagram, sending like motivational posts or like 
sharing what we're doing. And it's this really nice network called Evanston Made. And it's like mm-hmm. a kind of like a social group of artists that I joined. And I'm glad I did because now during this time, they're doing like, you know, visual interviews and like showing what everybody's doing and like they share hashtags. So then we can all kind of see what everybody's doing. Mm. And so thanks to social media, I have been able to keep up with a lot of people. That's awesome. Yeah, I have a, a much tinier little critique group of like eight to 10 people. And okay. we've, we've managed to do one Zoom meeting. We have another one scheduled, but <laughs> we're trying to okay. kind of keep that going. So that's another idea e- yeah. with probably a smaller group. That's true. I like that. Zoom will be really cool. Yeah. I also wanted to ask, I know you, you have your like paint party sort of membership mm-hmm. and you've set that up through Patreon. Yeah. Could you talk a little more about that? Oh, yeah. I feel like that's something I'm very curious about and maybe listeners will be as well. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, with the paint parties, how did that even happen? So I want to say January 2019, I started just doing my own public paint parties. So I would go to bars mm-hmm. and restaurants and book spaces for it. And then I traveled to people's homes. And then I had a few on my calendar for like March and April. And then all of a sudden, you know, COVID-19 happened. Mm-hmm. And I believe I saw like another artist on Facebook talking about like, we have to go virtual, like things are changing. And I'm like, yeah, what am I going to do to keep this part of my business going? Right. And then I decided to try like Facebook live paint parties. And like, I had a huge turnout. I think the first one was like 40 people or something. Wow. And took that to turn it into, okay, let's try another one with a different painting. And then I was like, but I want this to be more of a community and not just like, you know, not just through Facebook, but like something mm-hmm. more personal. So then I had already had a Patreon set up. I just never really, you know, paid much attention to it or really promoted it. And so I decided to use my Patreon for membership. I'm like, what if it could be something where people can pay a monthly fee and join in with me to paint a couple times a month? And, you know, they would have direct access to get like tips on their painting, mm-hmm. share work, and we can have like a little group. And so... I was getting a good response to that. And then with the lockdown extending, I was like, you know what? Let's just do it every week. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this will make me be more social too. Like I'll sit and like interact with people online and just do what I love to do and share painting. And like just so many people had great responses and talked about how they were kind of feeling lonely and how this really helped them. And so right now I have it set up where people can join on patreon.com slash Liz Brent and they can pay $15 a month to paint with me every week live. And it's a lot of fun. I have it through Crowdcast where people can like chat during the paint party, but also I can, they can ask to be on screen or I can invite them on screen and they can like talk and share their work. And, you know, every week the members get to paint on the next one and, you know, bring their friends in. And then that even expanded to members booking me for their own private paint parties through Zoom. Oh, cool. So I actually did one this weekend. Yeah, it was like 15 people three different states celebrating this one person's birthday and Uh, the girl who booked it, like she's a member of mine. So I was like, Hey, whenever you book a party with me, you pay for free. So she can book as many as she wants with different groups. And like, she gets to paint free for all of those. Oh, cool. So yeah, I want it to be something like special. So it's not just like, Mm -hmm. Oh, just come paint with me, you know, give me money. It's more like, no, this (laughs) community, I appreciate your support and I want to support Mm -hmm. you at the same time. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. Yeah. 
And that sounds like it's really working for you. It is. It's so much fun. And I get to like play new music every time and we kind of dance together too. So it's a lot of fun. Nice. Yeah. And do you, do you see yourself like, would you want to eventually stop teaching in schools or would you always want to kind of keep that, keep both things going? I do think that one day it is my dream to become a full-time artist and, you know, mm-hmm. art teacher, entrepreneur. Yeah. And so I don't want to necessarily stop teaching altogether, but I do think that I'm leaning more towards like teaching my own classes at like community mm-hmm. centers and hosting community programs to like really spread art. Cause I feel like my mission, I always say it is to make art accessible for all one lesson at a time. So I kind of want to just keep like expanding and see where it takes me to work with like kids and adults. And so that's my dream to one day, you know, work full time as an artist and also to own my own studio, like community art studio. Awesome. And then if you ended up going that route, would you be hiring other artists to teach? That's a good question. I think first it would just be probably me and mm-hmm. my brother and maybe my dad because they're both artists too. Yeah, the family business. It is the family business. I've had pieces who paint and uh, everything. So yeah, I think it would start as like a family business. Yeah. And do they work in like similar styles to you or are they totally different? I would say different actually. My brother, Larry, he works in graphite drawing but his Mm. is like much more detailed than me Mm -hmm. and then my dad is mostly well he draws but he mainly he paints like wearable art so like he paints on clothes and it'll be like images that look like patches or embroidery but it's like super detailed painting wow so yes like we're all different you know we all focus on like representational realism but Mm-hmm. Just like in different ways. So with that, we all like work under the name Brent Art to create custom uh, commission mm-hmm. artwork. Oh, cool. So it's been a lot of fun with that. We've been doing so many things. I often forget. <laughs> so, <laughs> it all. so much going on. Yeah. Uh, right now with all of the, you know, everything being kind of online, what does a week sort of look like for you? Oh, my goodness. It is intense. <laughs> yeah. So just what is say Monday oh my goodness or maybe is it easier to say like what one day looks like <laughs> yeah one day is so yeah with things online and at the high school level it's mainly it's not like virtual teaching all day it's mostly you know posting assignments or like mm-hmm. recording myself and doing some things like that so during the week I try to dedicate my eight to four to teaching mm-hmm. and like my case management and everything to do with my full-time job And then after that, it's, you know, social media where I'm doing marketing or engaging or, you know, planning posts or I'm following up with emails or Facebook messages. People are like setting up parties or I'm getting emails about commission work or I'm checking my Etsy shop or I'm like forwarding something to my brother because somebody wants him to do a commission drawing. So it's like, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm running so many different things. Yeah. So yeah, it's, you know, eight to four. I just had to make that a thing where that's strictly full-time job business. And then after that, it's like a whole variety of things to do with the business. Yeah. And then do you kind of block out the time that you're, you're just going to be painting for yourself? 
Yeah. Or is that just like squeezed in wherever it can fit? Yeah, I would say this past week it was kind of squeezed in. Yeah. I did have to block out time. So like I made it so that private parties are only, what did I say, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And then, you know, through the week is specifically, you know, eight to four is the work. Then at least once a week at 6 p.m. So I have my paint party day, but then I also try to set aside me time where I'll say, Mm -hmm. okay, I won't look at my phone. I won't do any work. I'll just do whatever I feel like. So it may be painting, it may be watching a movie, Mm -hmm. it may be, you know, this and that. But yeah, I do have to schedule out the time that I actually use for myself too. Yeah, it's so tricky. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like it's easy to get like worn out. Mm-hmm. So to avoid that, I make sure I like block out my schedule where I'm like, okay, this at this moment, I won't engage with anything else. I'll just do what I feel in the moment. Yeah, it's just yours. Exactly. Yeah, it's been really great hearing about the variety of what you're working on. Thank you. One thing I did, maybe this is just sort of a selfish question. (laughs) So you're online teaching at your school right now with case management. Is that having sort of Zoom meetings with parents and kids or teacher other teachers or? Yes, it was a combination. You know, it's paperwork behind the scenes Mm -hmm. and then it's, you know, checking in. So I'm kind of like a liaison between my students, teachers and their parents. Right. And then I'm also teaching my myself. So I have like reading students that I work with. Mm -hmm. So it is balancing, you know, the paperwork and like the required Zoom meetings. And then I can set up office hours for my students. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's, it's a mixture. Yeah. And you said you're at the high school level now? Yeah. And does that ever, does it ever feel like draining or, or I don't know what the right word is, like tiring to be sort of Working with so many students and and handling so many different needs. Yeah, yeah, it gets tough. It's yeah. it's stressful because like already as a teacher, you're like you know committed to your students and your job, and you like mm-hmm. you know you want so much for them, and like you know you don't just turn your brain off when the workday is over. You're thinking about you know getting something else ready for them, mm-hmm. and so as a case manager it takes it to a whole nother level because it's like, I really know the ins and outs of this student's life mm-hmm. and, you know, their families. And, you know, I know that they have, you know, different abilities. So now I'm concerned with the way that they're receiving work and how are they handling it? And then just thinking about their social emotional well-being because a lot of my students, like that's where they struggle with mm-hmm. social emotional. And now with this being such a crazy, uncertain time, I'm like, how are they feeling? Yeah. You know, are they able to handle this? How are they dealing with the stressors? Mm-hmm. And it's tough mm-hmm. when you can't reach them because it's not like they're required to sit in a class now. It's like, you know, are they going to respond to emails? You know, mm-hmm. are they going to follow up with phone calls? So it's really tough. It's it's definitely an emotional job mm-hmm. and I get really, really invested. And so it can be tough. I have to give myself breaks to you know, kind of try to turn it off, even though it's just not possible. But yeah, it's like being a teacher plus extra. Yeah. Like you care even, even more. Yeah. It's like almost being a social worker on top of being a teacher. Right. Exactly. Oh. Yeah. That's, it's challenging, but I do love my students. Yeah, it is. It must be extra difficult right now just knowing 
the the different situations they might be in and you know right. what their are their parents essential workers are their parents laid off right. you know what's going yeah. on there so how's everybody doing health wise all of those mm-hmm. big big uncertainties exactly oh. yeah it's a lot yeah so I'm really hoping that soon you know things open up and like mm-hmm. even though the school year is is pretty much done like we can't see each other in person which is so sad because there's students I've been working with you know for years and they were going to graduate and mm-hmm. you know it's going to be hard to end the school year and not like say something to them in person but yeah I'm just hoping that everybody's okay yeah and just you have to keep sending that message out to them and hope you're doing okay I love you I care about you make some art right exactly yeah yeah it's been I mean I have my kid is only four but it's been hard seeing just the like change in her life too and and then thinking about my students and how they're doing Mm -hmm. are you doing zoom meetings with them I'm not I'm pretty much like producing content and sending it to the classroom teachers okay so I'm doing like videos and lessons um, with google slides okay visuals some audio that I record and then also videos of my like demos nice and just sending that off to the classroom teachers and then they're sending it to the kids and the parents. Okay. So I'm kind of one step removed, okay. which is a little, a little strange yeah, to teach that way. Exactly. Yeah. And it's so different. Yeah. And I mean, even, even here, like I work for a nonprofit that sends artists into school. So that's part of it that I'm okay. not like a certified teacher, but even within the organization, every school is really different how they've sort of set things up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's just so unprecedented for everybody mm-hmm. that I think everybody's just <laughs> trying to figure out what works. Exactly. Because yeah, even here, like, you know, my school is doing something different than, you know, maybe the next town over and different grade levels mm-hmm. are doing different things. So yeah, people are trying to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Fingers crossed that it doesn't last too much longer. Yeah, absolutely. Is there anything else that you would want to share about how you've pieced it all together and the different aspects of what you do? I would tell anybody who's listening, especially teaching artists or artists in general, to like just think about what it is that you want. I remember hearing this motivation mm-hmm. speaker say, who are you and what do you want? And that has been like really driving me lately. And so when I first started teaching art, I kind of didn't know what I wanted to do with it. Like, I was just like, okay, I'll be a classroom art teacher. But originally I did think about like, okay, maybe community settings. I remember I really had a desire to do that, but somebody told me like, oh, you don't want to do community. You won't get paid much. Hmm. And like, I kind of just left it alone and like, okay, I'll just teach in schools. But then I just learned that I love community and I love bringing the arts to different places and different people who may not have a chance to have it in school. And like, I wish that I kind of stuck with that back then and just really started with it early. And got that experience. So now it's making me see like, okay, think about who I am and what do I want, where I want to take my art. And, you know, originally I thought like, oh, I'll have my work in galleries. And then I was like, no, I'm not good enough for that. Or no, it's too much involved Mm -hmm. with that. And now I'm like, I do not care at all about galleries. (laughs) 
exhibitions and like I submitted to so many different art shows thinking that's what I was supposed to do but then it was like what do I really want to do Mm -hmm. and you know now I'm like I want to make art because it helps me calm down it helps me de-stress I like flowers and landscapes because they're pretty and they're calming and you know I like to support other people to produce art and if people want to you know improve their art I want to help them and so now I know, like, I want to help people with my art or with my skills and experience. And I would just tell everyone to just think about where you are, think about who you want to be and how you want to present yourself with your artwork and with your teaching practices. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. It requires some intense introspection. Yeah, Yeah. And it's so important. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of those things I feel like you need to take one of the, your once a week, like me time Mm -hmm. and just kind of maybe take a bath and think about it. (laughs) Relax and think about it. Uh What is it it that I want? Yeah. Yeah. Journal it. I write everything. Exactly. I have so many journals filled with just notes Mm. of ideas I've had over the years. And then I'll look back at it now. I'm like, oh my goodness, I thought about this 10 years ago. I should have done it then, but now I'm doing it now. Well, at least you're coming back to it. Yeah. Yeah, that's always good. I feel like those ideas, the ideas that are recurring, that like Mm -hmm. keep coming up, those are the ones you really have to follow through on. Yes, it's a sign. It, It comes back for a reason. Yes. Yeah. Okay. A few little kind of fun, like starting to wrap up questions. Okay. What are you curious about right now? Curious about. Okay. It's random. That's okay. So I think of curious of like wanting to (laughs) do more of, but like, I just always had a love for dance and like, I want to dance and like, so I'm curious about finding like, especially now with like Zoom and stuff to see if there's dance group classes or something on Zoom or like, yeah, because uh, I was actually looking up stuff before the quarantine of like a local fun dance class. It was all about like women empowerment and everything like that. So uh, that's what I'm curious about, like a fun social dance group. Awesome. Yeah, you'll have to you have to find something. <laughs> yeah, I need to do some research. Yeah, my daughter loves dance Aww. and she's surprisingly good at it. Like my husband and I are both just totally uncoordinated (laughs) so seeing her move we're just like how how did you what (laughs) so we've been trying to do we should also now you're inspiring me to find an actual class Mm -hmm. because we've just been doing like videos and stuff yes you probably love that yeah yeah and she was going to a local dance place for kids before but yeah what kind of dance does she like she i mean She's only four, so she doesn't really know. (laughs) She had been in a class that was ballet, but not super strict ballet. Sort of like ballet that was taught at a yoga studio. So it wasn't like they didn't have to wear tutus and follow all the strict forms yet. (laughs) That's cool. More loose. Yeah. Yeah. The the kind that involves leaping and twirling. She likes that. That's so cute. Yeah, but she she has like rhythm when you put on music that's, you know, (laughs) that's not just this old classical music. She really, she moves the way that I cannot. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Wow. And what is the best compliment you've received? What's something you're really good at? 
Best compliment. You know, I love it when people tell me that they admire like my patience and like kindness. Mm. And like, I don't know, because it's something that I really, really work hard at making people feel like, especially in like classes, because somebody in one of my classes I just taught recently emailed me and said that. And she was just like, you know, you were just so patient and so kind and giving. And like, you know, I feel like everybody should be, but especially as a teacher, it's something I'm always striving for because you just never know what kind of day people are having. And like, Mm -hmm. I want not only like art to be something to make people happy, but like, I want people to be happy when they interact with me. So I think that's one compliment that like really stands out. Because, you know, I feel like everybody should be, you know, kind and patient, but it just means a lot when people notice it because I really do work hard at it. Uh, well, it's not always an easy thing. Yeah. And and that ability to, like, put yourself in someone else's shoes and think before you just sort of gut react yep. to something, think, well, maybe they're not having that good of mm-hmm. a day. Yep. So I always try to think like that. Yeah. That's not easy. No. What is something that you are not very good at doing? Something I'm not good at doing, I would say singing. My fiance always makes fun of my Mm. singing. Um, It's funny, too, because when I was young, I tried to start a singing group with my friends when I was like nine. And I wanted to be the lead, but of course I couldn't sing. But yeah, it just didn't work out. So that's one thing. I'm like, how come I know so many people who can sing, but I cannot? Yeah. Yeah. I feel you on that one, too. Anything in the performing arts really is just not my (laughs) wheelhouse. (laughs) Well. One more really fun little question. What is your favorite food? Favorite food. Oh, that's hard. (laughs) I know. There's so many good ones. Yeah, all my life they used to be corn dogs. I don't know why. <laughs> ah, I know yeah. I love them too. <laughs> I'll admit it. <laughs> it's something about. I think it might still be because it's like I don't eat them as often, and when I do, it's like a nice treat. Like, oh, it's a corn dog. Like, I love corn dogs. <laughs> yeah. Do you have Do you have them with nope. anything, or it's I like just the plain ones? Like, yep. Yeah, straight like up a little bit of sweetness. To yeah. It. That's the that's the kind of mm-hmm. like. <laughs> and is there anybody that you would want to thank or give a shout out to? Uh, number one would be God, and then uh, my parents. I would say because, like, as a teacher, I know that you see all the time parents have like certain expectations for their kids, and you know, parents can sometimes direct kids to where they want them to go, especially like career wise. Mm-hmm. And I definitely thank them for always being open to you know, whatever it was I thought that I wanted to do or wanted to be. And they were just like so supportive. And I guess because they're also like creative people. So yeah, I think if it wasn't for them pushing me to like think for myself and and figure out who I want to be and do what I want to do, I may not, you know, be doing the things I'm doing. So my, my parents, family, and also my fiance for keeping me going every single day, even though my days can uh-huh. be so stressful. And <laughs> some days I might want to just give up. But like, he's always looking at me like, look, now, you know, you don't just give up. You're not a quitter. You're going to be amazing at whatever you do. Just keep going. Uh, so, yeah, I love that motivation I get. Yeah, that's amazing to have such a good like support system around you. Yes. It's like essential for everything in life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and last one, where can our listeners connect with you online? You can find me at LizBrentArt.com. 
I'm also on Instagram at Liz Brent Art, on Facebook, uh, again, Patreon. My name is Liz Brent. And I even have a YouTube. I haven't been so active on YouTube, but my YouTube name is just Brent Art. But yeah, I would love to connect with new people. Just reach out and find me and, you know, let's talk about some art or make some art together. Yeah, awesome. And I'll link to all of that as well. Thank you. And thank you so much, Rebecca, too, for actually reaching out and finding me all the way from California and all the way to Chicago. And I'm just so excited for this to be my first podcast. Yeah. Thank you so much for taking the time. It's been really great hearing about all of the things that you have going on. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you, Liz. It was so evident in talking with her that she cares deeply for all her students, whether the kids she's working with in school or adults she's teaching through her membership program. I'm also so impressed with her business sense something I'm really struggling with, and how she continues to find new ways of reaching people with her art and teaching practices. Liz keeps love, patience, and kindness at the heart of what she does. She's cultivating peace through painting. Thank you so much for listening. As always, you can reach me at Teaching Artist Podcast on Instagram or Teaching Artist Podcast at gmail.com. Who do you want to hear from? Please share your recommendations of teaching artists. And if you loved this episode, please subscribe, leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts, and follow me. It really makes a big difference. Thank you. Thank you.